0: Well, hello everyone. Today is October 21st, 2021. Thank you so much for joining me today. My name is Byron Howell and this is the Byron Howell Ministries podcast. I hope you are all doing well. Uh, Today we're going to switch gears a little bit. Uh, We've been talking about healing. We've been talking about spiritual things, the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And I'm not saying that we're going to leave spiritual things. Of course not. I think spiritual things are the most fascinating things in the universe. The kingdom of God is the most wonderful thing in the universe. And, and that's definitely what excites me the most. But, but today I think we're going to switch gears a little bit. We're going to talk about money. I think this is going to fascinate you. I think this is going to excite you. And to be honest, what I'm going to teach you today, not to get ahead of myself, but this is the secret to freedom from the world's financial system. And this is the secret to freedom. Uh, in living in unlimited resources, the unlimited resources of the kingdom of God are available to all Christians, and we're going to talk about how you can step into that today. So today, in this teaching, I'm going to describe another economic system that exists apart from and superior to the world's economic system. Christians should have a financial life based on the kingdom of God's economic system, rather than the world system, and I intend to review God's economic system to you and show you how to begin operating therein. You know, as a child, I grew up around money and learning about money. My father was a CPA and a real estate developer, and I saw him reading financial books and listening to financial teachings a lot when I was a kid, especially because my parents were divorced and I lived the majority of the time with my father. And that was really his interest, was financial matters. And as he grew in his relationship with God and in his ministry, he turned his attention to understanding godly economics. And unfortunately, in the real estate world and in most of the world's economic system, debt is king. I saw my father, even though he was learning more and more about godly economics, just being in the world that he was, I saw my father lose practically everything, both in the 80s and again in the 2000s, as the real estate market crashes and his debt positions ruined his finances. And these experiences, by the way, created both a fear of lack and a hesitation about investments in my mind, which I still have to work on today. But when my father's real estate business collapsed around 2009, I had to begin practicing law full time. And I, I had run his uh, the construction side of his business. He We built office buildings, and I practiced law a little. I was a lawyer, but I didn't practice much. But as God would have it, one of my father's friends, an apartment developer, needed an attorney. And this man gave me a chance and began teaching me about real estate finance as I practiced real estate law for him. And not long after that, another man retired from Wall Street and decided to start buying apartment buildings around the country. And in short, my legal career for the past 10 years has basically been working for for these two men and three similar men. And uh, my law practice is God, me and my computer. And from my home office, I've now been primary transaction counsel on over 3 billion dollars in commercial real estate transactions. And <clears throat> by no means do I share those facts to brag. I mean, who really cares what I do or or how much I've done it? But my point is that I've been exposed to serious wealth in my life, both both the accumulation of significant wealth, you know, by my clients, and then the loss of significant wealth in in some cases. And I've been exposed to a fair amount of financial education and thinking both secular and Christian, and a lot of the, you know, the teachers, the pastors that I've gravitated to in my life have also had, you know, a financial background and real uh, have kind of advanced Christian economic thinking. You know, Bill Winston being a great example of that. Highly recommend his ministry to you. But the first true financial revelation I received from God happened in kind of a peculiar way. And I heard about a pastor of a major church in a major city, and I don't want to reveal too many details here, but this pastor drove a Lexus. Now, again, major church, major city, and he drove a Lexus. And I do believe it was the uh, lowest end Lexus, the smallest one, the cheapest one at that time, like the IS. And you know, that didn't bother me at all. But this other person discussing this situation was bashing this pastor for driving such a car just because he's, you know, he's a man in the ministry. And I guess he was supposed to be in a a Hugo or something. I don't even know. But this person didn't like the fact that this pastor used uh, drove a Lexus now. But the Lord used this interaction to teach me one of the most important principles of kingdom economics. And that's the starting point for our discussion today which really, you know, opened the door for me to understand a lot of what we're going to talk about today, but is this is the principle, god does not experience opportunity cost. Now, if you're not familiar with that term, I'm going to just read you a definition. This is from econlib.org. I guess that stands for economic library. I don't know. I just found it online, but uh and this is the definition. Opportunity cost refers to what you have to give up to buy what you want in terms of other goods or services. Now, let me read you this other quote because this quote kind of shows you the importance. This is from uh, Investopedia. Directly or indirectly, opportunity cost underpins the majority of day-to-day economic decisions that are made in society. So that quote gives you an idea about the importance of economic. Excuse me, of opportunity cost. Anyone whose mind hasn't been freed to God's economic system lives with a working knowledge of opportunity cost, even if you've never heard that term or thought about it. And let me kind of explain. For most people, opportunity cost presents itself something like this. If I buy that new car because of the monthly payments, I may not have enough money for my other living expenses. Right? Or an easier alternative might be If I eat at that nice restaurant tonight, I will need to eat my meals at home for the rest of the week. You see, we have to choose where to spend our money. And the entire reason for this choice is the limitation on our resources. So we have an opportunity cost. I have to give up certain things if I want to get other things. And because I am forced into this choice... That basically is a constant guide to my financial life. The fact that I have limited resources, I have opportunity cost. I have to make limited choices from what I want. Now, depending on your financial level, your opportunity cost may sound very different. You know, my clients, for example, have virtually unlimited access to capital and debt. So they're not impacted by opportunity costs as most people. Uh, now, it's funny, I, I've been around a number of wealthy people, and I'm not saying they really live like this. As, as many of you probably know, most wealthy people are still very conscious of their day-to-day spending. But my only point is that opportunity costs can present themselves very differently depending on your economic level. And so, uh, you know, my example from – in my client's world might be something like this. You know, if I spend $20 million on this apartment complex – that that 's not irregular in, in my life then I for my clients, I mean, if I spend twenty million on this apartment complex, then I will need to raise capital to buy the other one rather than using available cash from my last sale. You see their opportunity cost is never so much you know i can 't buy all the twenty million dollar apartment complexes I want to buy that doesn 't really come up, but how they are going to pay for it is the other question, and there are less desirable uh, sources of capital or sources of debt that may have to come in depending on how many deals they have going at a particular moment. So when people bash Christian preachers for having a Lexus or having nice things or something like that, really there are two primary reasons that they do so. And first, they may feel that such Christians are not living, quote unquote, like Christ, and Christ would have them be poor. Now, we're not going to waste much time with that unbiblical opinion, but you see, Christ suffered many things so that we don't have to, all the effects of the curse of sin, including poverty. Look at 2 Corinthians 8, 9 uh, for some more guidance on that. But the fact is, is God does not call Christians to poverty. It's just that simple. Uh, In fact, you know, the Bible is very clear. Uh, The opposite is true, as we'll see in some verses today. But the other reason people bash Christians for having nice things or any luxury is an opportunity cost mindset. Now, you may not put it like that, but that's the truth. And here's here's an example. If that preacher has that Lexus, then some part of the kingdom of God did without. If the church used the tithes for that preacher's car, then the church can't have the feeding ministry or the single parent ministry or something like that. People think that if the church spends money on one thing, then the church has less money to spend on other things. That is an opportunity cost mindset. And honestly, it's understandable given the pervasiveness of opportunity cost thinking in the world today. People impose opportunity cost thinking on the church because they assume that the church has limited resources as they do. I remember... Uh You know, there have been many, many stories about, uh, you know, pastors that, that have nice things. And, you know, it's like there's always this underlying assumption that, oh, because the pastor, you know, the church spent money on the pastor's house or the pastor's car or the pastor's whatever that, oh, man, somebody suffered somewhere that somebody didn't get blessed. Someone didn't hear the gospel. But again, this is unbiblical thinking. But we can forgive people because they themselves are, forgive me for putting it this way, but basically enslaved to opportunity-cost thinking because they live with a constant knowledge of their own limited resources. So if they have limited resources, well, so must the church. But Christians and, and God's church were meant to be free from opportunity-cost thinking. In fact, Christians have access to unlimited resources. The church can pay for the pastor to have a nice car, a nice house, all the programs that God wants for that church, and the church can still have money in the bank. And you see, all of this is possible in God's economic system. And that's what we're called into. And we must first, so as we start diving into this, we must first understand that God owns the world. Now, this is Psalm 50, verse 7 through 12. Listen, my people, and I will speak. I will testify against you, Israel. I am God your God. I bring no charges against you concerning your sacrifices or concerning your burnt offerings, which are ever before me. Now here's the real important part. I have no need of a bull from your stall or of goats from your pens, for every animal of the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains and the insects in the fields are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine and all that is in it. We could spend a long time talking about this very fascinating and powerful passage, but as usual, let's try to keep it simple. God very clearly details his ownership of the world and everything in it. But notice also God says that if he were hungry, he would not call us for one of our animals. God doesn't need anything from us. In fact, in addition to owning the world and everything therein, God owns all the world's money. This is Haggai 2, 6 through 8. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations and what is desired by all nations will come. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. See, if God wants to do something in the world, he does not need to raise capital from Christians to do it. And he certainly doesn't need to take out a loan. The offering plate is not a welfare system for the kingdom of God. You see, people don't think this way. They don't realize this, these truths. And they think that God is limited by the money that we put in his hands. Well that, well, that makes a lot of sense to our minds that are basically enslaved to the world's economic system. That thinking is unbiblical. So now that we understand God owns all the money, we can easily understand that God doesn't spend money and have limitation on his resources the way that we do. You see, if God spends a million dollars to build a new church, God does not have one million dollars less. He still owns all the money. God may have used one million of his dollars in a certain way, but there's still his million. So we must understand this truth. And this is fascinating, very powerful reality. God doesn't really spend money. He moves it. And furthermore, as God does not spend money, he is not subject to a mathematical analysis of his financial position. God's financial position never changes. He owns 100% and he always will. God may move a $100 billion to do something, but his position never changes and he still has that $100 billion. The money might be in a different person's bank account in the world's economic system, but it's still God's money. And as God has no limitation on his resources, he does not experience opportunity cost, nor does God engage in opportunity cost thinking. As you move into the kingdom of God's economic system, you can also experience God's unlimited resources and freedom from opportunity cost thinking. The first step in operating in God's economic system is moving your thinking out of the world's economic system, which is based on individual ownership of money and over to God's economy, which is fundamentally based on God's ownership of all the world's money. So let me say that again because it's a very important point. If you want to move out of the world's economic system and into God's economic system, I believe the starting point is is to move your brain, to move the way you think from one system to the other. In the world's economic system, it's basically based on individual ownership of Money, But in God's economy, it's based on the fact that God owns all the world's money and he always will. You see, furthermore, God's economic system does not function like the world's economic system. The world's economic system, again, based on individual ownership, functions by math. God's economic system based on ownership, based on his ownership, excuse me, functions by movement so the world individual ownership and math god singular ownership his ownership of everything functions by movement he doesn't spend money god moves money you see right now all over the world the world's economic system is humming along with money being added and subtracted from various places on a scale that our minds could hardly fathom but simultaneously The kingdom of God's economic system is moving God's money all around from place to place doing God's will. God's economic system isn't even concerned with what's happening in the world's economic system when it thinks about its available assets. You see, God wants churches built in some places. God wants Bibles printed in other places. God wants lots of people to have a safe place to live, a safe car to drive, a safe school to attend, and so on. And God also wants many different things for your life. God's will takes money. That's all there is to it. But God is not adding it all up and checking the total against his current bank balance. Rather, God, by his Spirit, is guiding people to move some of his money around so that his will is accomplished. God wants you to come out of the world's economic system and into his economic system, and God wants to move money to you and through you. Excuse me while I take a sip of coffee. There are some places, like my bank account, where God moves money in and out, and the account holder knows it for example several months ago god told me to start sending money to a particular organization now my my worldly economic mindset i'm ashamed to say at first thought god was asking me to spend my money for this purpose like every month i was going to have to you know i don't know come up with an extra number of dollars to do this thing right but i fortunately realized that god wasn't asking me to spend my money he was asking me to, to come into the kingdom of God's economic system in this area, and he wanted to use my bank account to move money in a particular direction according to his will. God would supply the extra, and then I was supposed to send it in a particular direction. To put it another way, God wasn't asking me to pay for this but who's asking me to believe for this. And it's amazing how I've had more than enough money every month to cover this additional amount. But this is just an example to help you see an idea. Other people don't know that they are really holding God's money. And lots of Christians talk about the end times wealth transfer and how the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just. And those are great points. But for today, we should just recognize that God owns all the world's money And it doesn't matter whose bank account it's in, it still belongs to God. To truly live in the economic freedom God has for us and to accomplish God's will for our lives, free of any financial constraints, we must change the way we think about money. We must move our lives over to the kingdom of God's economic system. We start this process by recognizing that God owns all the money and God moves money rather than spends it. It's time to change the way we live in response to this new level of thinking. Most people look at their assets and calculate their net worth. They live according to their net worth and their income. They give, if they give at all, according to their net worth, their income, and God's occasional direction. Even if they understand any of God's financial principles, they incorporate them into their economic mindset, which the world created. This can and should Totally change for a Christian, but I do agree it can be a bit complicated. Let me just try to paraphrase that again because as I say it, maybe it wasn't super clear. Many people take biblical economic principles and overlay them onto their economic mindset that the world fashioned, but that's not the way it's supposed to work. We're supposed to have, in fact, a total renovation of the way we think about money and finances see in an air in the area of health, a Christian can live almost totally apart from the world 's medical system. We can eat according to the bible 's directions we can live in health according to the bible 's promises we can live in immunity to sickness, disease, or injury i 'm not saying that everybody does that or even a lot of people, but it 's definitely a biblical possibility. We don't need to consult doctors or anyone other than the Bible when it comes to our health. Again, I'm not necessarily saying that's the right decision for you today, but it is 100% a biblical possibility for a Christian to live in perfect health apart from the world's healthcare system. I think we probably all agree on that. But our economic lives must interact with the world's economic system at some points. While we may learn to totally function in God's economic system, we will still need to participate in the world's economy we need to have bank accounts investments are biblically wise owning real estate is biblically wise even credit cards are a convenience when used correctly and and the point systems are great at least in my opinion well i suppose you could try to live without money and have god supply you food and water and shelter and all that but that's going to be tough and it would be very difficult to do everything god wants you to do in the world without using money and let me just say, he's probably not calling anybody to that. Let's just let's just come right down to it, right? We are supposed to be out there in the world fighting for the kingdom of God, preaching the gospel, winning the lost, healing the sick through the power of God, so on and so forth. We need to be out there in the world, and we probably need to be using money. But what we must do is allow God's overarching and superior economic system to be the guiding light of our financial lives and the economic system in which we think and operate. From that perspective and position, we can then function in the world's economic system. And more than function, we can dominate that system. Before I go on and, and look, just forgive me. All right. I just got this is kind of a disclaimer. I want to briefly mention that this is not the teaching for you to get your new Ferrari. I'm not saying God has any problems with that or those teachings. That's just not our focus today. You absolutely can take God's teachings about tithing, giving, saving, working, and all the financial principles in the Bible, and you can start increasing financially. Psalm thirty-five twenty-seven says that God has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. But this is the teaching today. This is the teaching <clears throat> on how to see God's provision for 100% of God's will in your life. As I said at the beginning, this teaching is to reveal God's economic system to you and help you begin operating therein. Freedom from the limitations of the world's economic system will bless you tremendously, and this freedom will also greatly help you move forward in God's plan for your life. Now, God has called some of you to funnel billions of dollars into the kingdom of God for Bibles, for world missions, for churches and schools for the gospel. God has called some of you to travel the world, ministering and operating for the kingdom of God. God has called some of you to to various works for his kingdom that will require various amounts of money. I mean, big or small, it's just the way it is. But God has all the money you will ever need. And God's not asking you to work for it. He's not asking you to pay for it. You just need to step into God's economic system and believe for it. When my clients evaluate a piece of property, they look at the price to determine whether it's a good deal. There's never a question about their ability to pay for it. They know they have access to the capital regardless of the price. There are no loan contingencies when my clients buy a property. They'll just pay cash if there's a debt issue. But understand what that does to their thinking. If you knew that you had access to unlimited capital, that the bank of heaven was financing everything you do for God, what would you do? You see, in the same way they don't look at the price to to analyze whether they can pay for it, they look at the price to know whether it's a good deal that's how you need to look at God's directions. You don't look at what it's going to cost in terms of uh, of whether you can pay for it, right? God's going to pay for it. The resources of heaven are going to be with you. The only question is whether it's a good deal. And in, in our lives, the, the good deal is, is this God's will for my life? Because if it's God's will, then you better believe God's going to be there with his resources to pay for it. It's if you knew that God was financially backing all of your life, how would you live? It's time that we pursue God's will without any worry for the money, knowing that God will provide. God will just move some of his money over to you for everything God wants you to do. That is functioning in God's economic system. And I want you to understand that you actually have unlimited money available to you. It's unlimited money at your disposal and you can do anything God wants, regardless of the price. And and listen to this, because this is so, so important, subtle, but important. You never need to have opportunity cost thinking again. So how do we begin operating in God's economic system? How do we position ourselves to participate in God's money, money flow? As I said, God's monetary system functions by movement. God wants to move money to us and God wants to move money through us. The money movement system in God's kingdom is called seed time and harvest or sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping is how we step into the economy of God's kingdom. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verses 8 through 11. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. As it is written, he has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor, his righteousness remains forever. Now he that ministers seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food, and multiply your seed sown, and increase the fruit of your righteousness, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causes through us thanksgiving to God." I believe that passage, and I encourage you to go back and spend some time meditating it for yourself. That's 2 Corinthians 9, 8 through 11. I believe that passage sums up God's thinking when it comes to money in the life of a Christian. Let's break it down. God is able to bring everything you will ever need into your life. God wants you on a personal level to be satisfied and content in every area of your life, and so satisfied and so content that you begin operating in the good works he's planned for you. You see, if you're not satisfied and content in your life, if you are constantly focused on providing for yourself and your own provision and your own daily needs, you can't begin to move on to that next level of, of, of pursuing the good works for the kingdom of God that he's planned for you so God wants you so satisfied and so content that you have some free time and some free mental capacity to actually start pursuing the kingdom's agenda but let's keep going God is going to supply what you need and God is going to give you seed all right that's very very important He's going to give you what you need, and he's going to give you seed. And as you sow, God is going to bring harvest into your life. As you sow and reap, you will be enriched in every area of your life. You're going to get blessed when you start participating in God's economy. That's the way it is. Because remember, he has pleasure in your prosperity. So not only are you going to get blessed, you're going to be participating in the kingdom of God, and others are going to get blessed. But let's, let's keep going. As you sow, God is going to bring harvest into your life. As you sow and reap, you will be enriched in every area of your life. As you are enriched, you will continue sowing and giving money to the kingdom of God. This becomes a cycle. This becomes a very important pattern of your life. that's sowing and reaping on a constant basis. As you give money to God's purposes, God receives the glory And the other people being blessed will turn to God and thank him. That's fundamentally the big reason God wants you satisfied and content and generous so that you can begin funneling money to the kingdom of God's purposes in the earth, which blesses people, which causes them not to look to you, but to look to God, give glory to him, receive Jesus and then they step into their lives as Christian and they begin participating in the kingdom of God's system as well. My friends, that is how the kingdom of God economic system is supposed to function in your life. That system should be functioning in all of our lives. It doesn't matter how much money you have. You can start functioning in that economic system today. Let me let me read you two more verses, Luke 6:38. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Second Corinthians nine six. But this I say, He which sows sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which sows bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Most people... Who understand biblical economics understand that giving and receiving or sowing and reaping is the primary mechanism for biblical increase. You can look at giving and receiving in terms of the world's economic system, and that's what most people do. Especially when they look at these verses. Okay, you say, All right, you have X dollars and you give Y. And then what's supposed to happen is that God supernaturally brings money to you, and you end up with Z. So I had X, I gave Y, but then I bring in a harvest, and now I have Z, which is more than what I started with at the beginning. This is a biblically accurate view, and there's nothing inherently wrong with this, right? And I also do realize that some people don't really think about these things and they just give out of love and a generous heart. And that's great too. And that's still sowing and God is going to bring the harvest. The Bible says he's the Lord of the harvest. But here we are talking about working the economic system deliberately. Okay. but so while a lot of people take sowing and reaping and apply mathematics to it, I have X. I gave Y and now I have Z, which is more than I started with, right? A lot of people think of it that way, but you can take this system to a higher level. All right, this is really one of the things I want to talk about today. Sowing and reaping isn't just about addition and subtraction. Sowing and reaping brings you into the kingdom of God's money flow. As I've described, there is a constant flow of money movement in the kingdom of God. And we must, on an individual level, step into this money flow. Primarily, we step into the money flow by sowing into God's kingdom and obeying God's directions. God may call you, just as an easy example, God may call you to build an orphanage. The and look, maybe you don't have, you know, build an orphanage right now money in your bank account. That's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with that. It's not a violation of the, the verses about counting the cost. Just because you don't have the money in your bank account today doesn't mean that it wasn't God's direction. The moment you step out in obedience and do what you can and get working, that's when the money flow of God's kingdom is directed to you to start bringing in the resources you need. And let me further discuss this concept of obedience as a seed, right? In your financial life, you should have a constant process of sowing and reaping. As you give, you will increase financially. You take the harvest, you give more, and you increase more. See, it's a constant cycle, and you've stepped into God's economic system, you've stepped into the money flow. And and it's a higher level of thinking, not to focus on the math of this so much, but focus on the fact that you are now in the kingdom's economy. But in addition to your monetary seeds, obedience is the primary seed. Obedience is the seed whether it's a giving seed uh, you know obedience to give like god told you to give or obedience in somewhere else in your life perhaps god tells you to go on a mission trip now you can trust god to pay for that mission trip maybe you've only got enough to cover the initial application fee or the initial sign-up fee or whatever it is right you can trust god to pay for the rest of it and you have to listen you have to stand in faith, do what God tells you to do, but you, you've stepped in now. You've stepped out in obedience. You've sowed the seed, and now the kingdom's economy has targeted you as a recipient of resources to do what God has called you to do. Perhaps God just tells you to give $100 to a local feeding ministry. You can trust God to cover that 100 one way or another in your life. You sow the 100 God's got a harvest coming your way. No matter what God tells you to do, big or small, God will provide for it. Your obedience places you into the flow. It places you into position to receive from God's resources. Remember the verse we read that says God ministers seed to the sower. And see, I think we forget this sometimes. God gives us the seeds he wants us to sow. God provides for the things he wants us to do. Now, put some of these verses together. Remember, you know, God said, if I were hungry, I would not tell you. I won't take one of your animals. God doesn't need a bull from our stall or goats from our pens if he wants something to eat. God already has the cattle. Here's the key. God is not asking us to spend our money on his kingdom. Rather, God is asking us to trust him and allow him to bring us into the kingdom of God's money flow. God is asking us to step out in faith on his direction as that brings us in position to re-receive from God's kingdom. It's an invitation. Everything you do under God's direction is a seed. When God gives you a direction, he has already ministered the seed to you. The ability to obey him, even if you can't see it, the ability to give what he's already given you uh, into your accounts or into your hands, whatever he's told you to sow, he's already ministered that seed to you. God will never tell us to do something that he won't help us do. He will never tell us to do something impossible or give something we can't give. Again, when he calls on a seed, he's already ministered to you, that seed. You know, and sometimes we don't realize that what's in our hand or the seed that we're holding was already a gift from God. We don't realize that God has already ministered that seed to us. But understanding these things will help us participate in sowing and reaping. For example, here's a potential quote here. So God, you are telling me to sow this extra $100 that I have in my account right now. Okay, I realize that this extra $100 was actually a seed you ministered to me and that you want me to participate in your system. I will sow this seed as you direct and I will do so in faith for a harvest. Furthermore, when that harvest comes in as a good farmer, I will use some of the harvest as new seed, you see, I believe we should regard everything we have and everything we are as a potential seed that God has ministered to us already, and stand ready to sow it as at his direction. We must realize that when God directs a seed, this is the next step, right, so remember when God tells us to do something. He's inviting us into the kingdom of God's economy. When God calls on a seed, He's actually already ministered that seed to us. All right, now here's the next step. We must realize that when God directs a seed, God is also thinking about our harvest. When God tells you to do something or give something, He's inviting you into the kingdom's economic flow. But he's going to bring you a harvest as you sow and reap over and over in money and in obedience to his other directions. Your entire life will move into the kingdom of God's system and you will receive harvest of God's goodness in every area of your life. Yes, sometimes you will receive a monetary harvest, but there are other harvests in your life for obedience to God's other directions. So God will direct you to sow seeds of money and obedience, and you can begin operating in God's seed time and harvest system today. I don't care how little you have. You can always start obeying God. Now, look, don't let this worry you or begin putting pressure on you in any way. Just ask God to show you what to sow. If you don't tithe, God may lead you to begin tithing. God may lead you to give money to other places. We give money to an organization uh, of schools in Haiti, for example. Don't look at this as God taking your money. Don't look at this as a negative. Recognize this as God inviting you into his kingdom's economic system. Be listening for God to call for other types of obedience. Seat. Perhaps God tells you to put down the secular music Or the wrong shows on Netflix. I've gotten both of those. God isn't trying to ruin your life. God's trying to help you. God knows that those things are wrong for your thinking. And God is calling you up to another level of existence. Those things are going to drag you down. They're going to drag down your thinking. They're going to keep you in a worldly mindset. And that's all there is to it, my friends. God wants you to obey in these areas. And then God will harvest, you will, you will harvest more directions of His will in your life. Now look, and I'm not saying God has given you those directions about the music and about your entertainment. Those are just possible examples. Whatever God tells you to do, you should regard it as a seed that He wants you to sow because He wants to bring some of His blessing in your life as a harvest. And the more we obey him, the more of his will in our lives we're going to experience and the better every area of our lives will be. Now remember, God doesn't think mathematically like we do when it comes to money. So don't look at God's directions to sow money like God putting down a big minus in your bank account. As God moves money through our lives, we are going to financially increase. That's all there is to it. God wants you to sow and God wants you to reap. Moreover, God wants you to sow in ways that bless others and bring them to Jesus. See, everyone gets blessed in the kingdom of God's economic system. You give, you reap, others receive, others get blessed, others come to Jesus, and then they start participating. Isn't this wonderful? So again... And this is so important. You must look at God's directions as gain and not loss. They are opportunities for increase. Look at such directions like investment advice from the universe's greatest financial advisor. He doesn't even have a minimum requirement to open an account. You can get started wherever you are and make sure to receive God's directions for your, for other seeds the same way god's directions about your entertainment your relationships your activities look they may feel like loss when god tells you to give things up as he does for all of us but these directions are always so that god can take our lives to a better place the harvest for these seeds is always a better an existent excuse me is always a better existence An existence that contributes to our gifts and callings and God's overall plan for our lives. So, keeping in mind both monetary and obedience seeds, let us quickly look at three verses about sowing and reaping to learn a little more. Now, look, I just want to say, I know that we're talking about the kingdom of God's economic system, and that's really what I want to reveal to you today. But what I need you to understand is that this seed time and harvest system actually is God's overarching system for all of your life. It's easily understood in monetary terms, but I want you to also understand its applicability to every area of your life. So now let us look at these uh, some verses here to get more understanding in this area. Ecclesiastes eleven six, Sow your seed in the morning, and at evening let your hands be not idle, for you do not know which will succeed, whether this or that, or whether both will do equally well. Now, it's true, when you sow specifically under the direction of the Lord, you can absolutely be assured of the harvest. But the point we want to bring out here is that you should be constantly sowing. That you should think in terms of seed and harvest at all times. Sow your seed in the morning. What does your morning look like? When you wake up, are you spending time with the word, in the word of God, even if it's just for a few minutes? Are you spending time with a quick uh, thankfulness practice to thank God for all the good things in your life? Spending a few minutes in the morning just to pray, just to uh, glorify God and get your mind situated. Are you sowing the right seed in the morning? In the evening. What's your seed around your house look like? Are you sowing correctly uh, in the lives of your children, in the life of your spouse, in the lives in, to your own mind, in your entertainment or in your activities after work, so forth? How are you sowing during the day? You see, we should have a constant seed time and harvest mindset, not not in some sort of oppressive or obligation sense, but as an this is an opportunity. This is an opportunity to improve every area of your life. Ecclesiastes 11.4, he that observes the wind shall not sow and he that regards the clouds shall not reap. You see, the more you sow, the more you reap. The more you sow and reap, the more you are participating in God's system. And we need to be constantly looking for opportunities to sow and reap. But here's the next key. Do not allow your sowing and reaping to be influenced by external issues. Does it look like you're having a slow month? Sow those money seeds anyway. He who regards the wind will not sow. He that regards the cloud will not reap. Do the macroeconomic indicators suggest tough times are ahead? You need to keep sowing. Is your spouse being a complete jerk? Are your kids acting crazy this evening for no apparent reason, even when they have a thousand toys and you let them watch a show and eat dessert and blah, 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 and they're still acting crazy? You still sow the right seeds, the seeds of love, the seeds of gentleness, the seeds of honor, even if the financial world doesn't look right. And You're thinking about, oh, man, maybe I should not sow my monetary seed this month. I should save a little extra this month. That's regarding the wind. That's regarding the clouds. And that's taking you out of the kingdom's system, the the kingdom's flow. If you stop sowing and reaping, this isn't meant to be condemnation. We're just talking about the system here. If you stop sowing and reaping, you exit the kingdom's money flow. If you keep sowing and reaping, you remain in the kingdom's money flow. The kingdom's economic system is recession-proof. And God can move unlimited money into your life regardless of what's going on in the world's financial system. Sowing and reaping, participating in the kingdom's money flow is actually the key that frees you from the world's economic system. Never again will you worry about money. Never again will the world's economic indicators cause you to fear. Jeremiah 17, 7-8 But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when the heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. That's you and me, my friend. What doesn't matter what's going on in the world, doesn't matter what mandates they put down against the Christians, we can be Constantly producing, constantly bearing fruit—that's God's will for our lives. Matthew six thirty-one through thirty-three, the secret of life. So do not worry, saying, "What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear?" For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Philippians four nineteen, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. You see, God does not want you to worry about money. And let me just say, I can't go on. That word needs there does not refer to bread, water, rags in a shack. Like that's the totality of God's provision promises for your life is bare physical sustenance. No, that that word need is that which you will put to use. Or to put it another way, what that verse is really saying is that God will supply 100% of everything you will ever need to accomplish all of God's will for your life. That's what he's going to supply there. You should not worry about money. God doesn't worry about earning money or producing money either. Look, of course we have to work, but the marriage between our job and our finances must end. The marriage between our salary and our financial capacity must end. You are supposed to work at the good works God has planned for you, and you are supposed to engage in sowing and reaping so that you can be enriched in everything to all bountifulness. Let me just try to make this as plain as I can. You can have a job that you enjoy that is God's direction of work for your life, and your personal financial level is not supposed to be tied to that job. Rather, your personal financial level should be determined by your participation in the kingdom of God's economy. And that participation is largely influenced to the degree that you successfully sow and reap according to the Lord's direction. So you can have a job that may not pay very well because that's where the Lord has instructed you to work and that's where the Lord has blessed you, And, and giving you a calling and giving you a joy in your work. But you don't have to, you know, live according to the world's salary standards for that occupation. You can sow and reap. The Lord will tell you what to do with your money. The Lord will help you invest. The Lord, you know, maybe the Lord has you give money to various orphanages or charities or whatever. And the Lord brings financial blessings in your life. That's my point. We don't need to think in the terms of, Oh, well, I do this for a job so I don't have much money or vice versa you can live on a totally different level with your economic situation based on the kingdom of God's system as you sow you must stand in biblical faith for your harvest now please please if you haven't listen to my other teachings on faith you know true biblical faith is extremely important and not widely understood True biblical faith is required to operate in God's kingdom. God's word says, if you sow, you will reap. When you sow, you stand in biblical faith, absolutely convinced, fully persuaded that your harvest will come in. The more you sow, the more you reap. A seed creates a pull on the harvest in the spiritual realm. And as you stand in faith, there is an unbreakable bond between the seed and the harvest. In fact, when you sow that seed, whether it's a monetary seed or an a obedient seed, whatever it is, just go ahead and receive it by faith. Father, in Jesus' name, I'm sowing this seed and I receive my harvest by faith. I receive my monetary harvest by faith and then I'm going to sow again. Or I receive... Uh, you know, a harvest of a better relationship with my children because I'm treating them the way your word teaches me to treat them. I'm going to receive that harvest. And in fact, I see it. I see it right now in Jesus name, because I know that when I sow, I will reap. And I glorify you, Lord. Amen. So keep a mental image of the kingdom's money flow constantly before you remember there's there's like a flow a river that's that's circular where god never has any less money that river never loses any water it's just going around and and changing places but it never leaves god's account it never leaves the flow from the kingdom of god's economic system and so if you keep that in your mind and you know that you've put yourself into the flow, into the system, you'll know that as you are sowing into that system, that harvest is gonna come right back around to you and now you're standing in and then participating in God's money movement system. And again, it's the same whether it's monetary or non-monetary. You see that seed time and harvest system by faith. You picture it in your mind. You know, okay, I've sowed a seed into the kingdom of God's system I'm gonna get my harvest. That's the way it works. So today, I want you to understand that God owns all the world's money. I also want you to understand that God doesn't spend money. He moves it, and we are invited into God's money movement system, the kingdom of God's economy. God's money movement system operates by sowing and reaping, seed time and harvest obedience to god's directions whether it's a direction to give money or any other direction is the seed we sow that brings us into the kingdom of god's flow the kingdom's money flow the kingdom's harvest flow it's the seed this obedience is the seed that brings us the harvest god wants to move money to us and god wants to move money through us And as you begin living in the kingdom of God's economy, you are freed from opportunity cost thinking. You have unlimited resources at your disposal. Even if God's plans for your life required 100% of the world's money, he would just flow it to you and through you over and over again for his will to be accomplished. When we live in God's directions for our lives, we never need to worry about money again. These are the secrets to being freed from the world's economic system and to be living in with access to God's unlimited resources. Guys, thank you for your time today. God bless you. Please always, always feel free to reach out to me. You need uh, prayer uh, you want to talk about anything we've discussed, you may have a question, you may feel that I've got something wrong. I'm always happy to talk about it. And I just thank you so much and God bless you.